0: So, welcome, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about employer attractiveness. And here's the question. So, you want to be an attractive employer? Uh, Sure you want. (laughs) You want to be an attractive employer. Why? Because when you are attractive as an employer, you do better in hiring people, you're better in retaining people, you have happy people, you have productive people, and all the like. Sure. Okay. Okay. Cool, that's nice. But what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean? I mean, if I would give you one minute now to think about what does it mean being an attractive employer, what would, we, what would you say? Right? So let, let me talk about this uh, a few minutes. And so here is a, a kind of a, a quote. Yeah. As a key component of our employer of choice strategy, We communicate to potential employees that this is a great place to work. We offer a positive work climate, rich career opportunities and competitive benefit packages. We are proud that we have won a number of awards and rank high in most of currently existing employer rankings. As a result, our applications are up and turnover is down across the firm. Doesn't that sound cool? <laughs> I think that's a, that's a cool statement. I would say most, most HR directors, most most CEOs would love to be able to say something like this. Okay, that sounds cool. And from what I see, this is, um, this is the dream of many HR people being so attractive as an employer. Wow, wonderful. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, strategically spoken, that refers to a to a a statement I would like to share with you. And this about general attractiveness. Uh, To put it short, it says, we want to be seen as an attractive employer overall in our striving to be so. Full stop, right? That's cool. We want to be an attractive employer overall. Okay, so here's another quote. The last thing we want to be is an employer of choice. All that does is dramatically increase the number of unqualified or marginal applicants which increase both the probability of selection errors and cost per hire. Our strategy is to hire choice employees or to seek them or, or to seek the marketplace by having them self-selected even before they apply. We want all applicants to understand that this is a demanding High-performing organization. To achieve this, we try to communicate in every possible interaction that this is a place that values talent and exceptional effort. For those employees, we provide exceptional rewards and career opportunities. We cannot be everything to everyone and we do not want to be. Doesn't that sound also very, very cool? (laughs) You know, this is a different way of looking at employer attractiveness, isn't it? So, so uh, it, it, it might sound more realistic, right? It sounds more realistic. And, and to summarize this in a strategic statement, it says, we do not want to and cannot be an attractive employer in everything and for everyone. We also deal with this very openly and authentically. Yeah, that's cool. Either so <laughs> which way do you want to go? General attractiveness or realistic and honest attractiveness so this is this is the starter here right that that's the starter and I would like to go a little bit further now and share with you a more more differentiated understanding about uh, employer attractiveness and I mean, I recently was asked by some h uh, r folks um, well how can we measure? employer attractiveness well my first thought oh okay what do you mean Uh, what is that do you even want to be like this but okay anyway how do you measure this and then we had a discussion and you know the one idea that always comes up when you want to measure employer attractiveness is that well let's let's simply measure job satisfaction let's ask the people are you happy being here do you like being here would you recommend a friend to work here Okay, and, and and if 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 people if people accept this statement and say, Yes, yes, I would recommend this place to my friend, then probably this is an attractive employer. Okay, so something like job satisfaction is very often seen as the ultimate indicator for employer attractiveness. But but you know, here's the thing. We have to differentiate here. Is it always good to have happy people? No, it's not. I know you might be surprised. No, it's really not. Okay, so we have let's say let's put it simple, okay? We have two types of people. We have satisfied people and not satisfied people. Satisfaction and dissatisfaction. Okay? But now here's another thing that comes into play. The, what we could name the level of control. Uh what is that? That refers to, uh, to the degree uh, to which people believe in their ability to change their situation. I can change things. If you have this belief that you can change things in your work environment, with the processes, with whatever it is, then you experience a high level of control. In psychology, we we'll also refer to this as locus of control. Now, Let's combine two dimensions. Let's have a two-time-two matrix again. Okay, the one one dimension is satisfaction, dissatisfaction. There are satisfied people and there are not-so-satisfied people. Okay, let's split the people into these two groups, okay? so And now here's the other dimension. Also, um, two extremes. High level of control, people believe they can change things. Or low level of control. People don't believe that they can change things. Now, that provides us with four different situations, right? One situation is that the people are happy and they have a low level of control. I mean, what does that mean? You have, you have people who feel comfortable. Oh, it's nice here. They feel being well-treated, but maybe also passive. I mean, why should I change anything? It's cool. It's nice. Uh, huh. <laughs> all fine all fine <laughs> right. so okay here's another situation uh, it's dissatisfied people who cannot change things who believe they can't change things so these people are victims they might mentally resignate and, and they, they fall back to their job description. They say, well, okay, it's a, I'm not really happy. That's not a cool place. But okay, I can't change it. It's as it is. Mm, okay, good. So I'll just do my job. Just do my job. Stick to what's written in the job description. Uh, this is something that you don't want. Right? This is something that you don't want. Right? Okay, now let's have a, a, a third group of people. These are happy people. Satisfied people. And they know that they can change things. Well, that is something that you want, right? These people might be passionate. They are confident. And, and they, they might have a high level of, in the psychology we name it self-efficacy. The belief that you will make it. Right? So, here's the fourth situation. We have not satisfied people. Really. Not satisfied people. And at the same time, they experience or they believe in a high level of control. They believe they can change things. Uh, that's maybe the best thing you want. Really, that's the best thing you want. Because that might lead to a revolution. Why do I say this? I mean, there's this famous quote. Every revolution started with somebody who was totally pissed. Very often not somebody, but a group of people who was totally pissed. Sorry for using that term here. <laughs> it's just a quote. You know? <laughs> but that's what you want. Yeah. These people they strive for improvement. They see things that need to be done better. They are not happy. They are not happy. They say, We have to change this and we can change this. Yeah. So you might have a combination of sense of urgency, but also the willingness to change things. So I mean you you I mean, while I while I share with you this thought, I, I, I can feel the power and I hope you feel that power too, right? So so as a consequence, this dissatisfaction is not always a bad thing. Neither is satisfaction always good, right? So, yeah, please, please differentiate here. It's, it's really important. Okay, so still, there might be employers who are more attractive than others. And, I mean, when we, when we talk about employer attractiveness, we must understand, and I will come to this point later, is whether an employer is seen as being attractive or not, uh, that depends on how people see it. It lies in the eyes of the observer, right? It's a it's a feeling, yeah. And and we can assume that an employer is attractive when when an employer overall addresses different values that people share. So so let me let me do a little a journey into a, another field of psychology about values, the values and uh, what people see as being good. And, you know, there, there was a lot of research done in that area, but one I would really highlight, because it's very current, um, and you find some very good literature, is the approach from uh, the social psychologist named Jonathan Haidt. I really admire this guy, really. Uh, his books are great. Watch his TED Talks. Really cool. Jonathan Haidt. And Jonathan Haidt did a lot of research about morality, what do we feel as being okay or not okay in human behavior? right? so So he did a lot of research, and, and uh, one, one outcome of his research is that what we perceive as being okay or not okay or valuable is not something that we completely learn. We, 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 we are not born as a as a as an as a empty piece of paper, right? It's not that we learn. There, there are some, there are some natural receptors. Receptors, he names it, natural receptors that that that, mel- that then will be adapted in the uh, in the uh, in the environment in which we grow up. So, and what are these receptors? These are fundamental uh, dimensions, and I would like to go through this. One dimension is care. One dimension is care. Care means to take responsibility for those who need help. Something like also compassion, right? And the opposite is harm. You're not responsible for the state of others. We want to work in a company that cares, right? We want to work in a company where the colleagues care about each other. We want to work in a company where the executives care about their people this is something very very fundamental and that and that moral dimension that exists not 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 since uh, human beings are on this wonderful earth these these dimensions they, they exist uh, since millions of years right we share those those values very often with even with animals right so another thing is fairness a fundamental dimension uh, of morality and values fairness We want to see equity. And we were talking about this when we were talking about remuneration, right? So equity, reciprocity. I do good to you, you do good to me. That's how it goes. Yeah, and people should get what they deserve. While the opposite might be something like cheating. Only the losers stick to the rules, right? So, and the third one is loyalty. We want to stay in a group where the people feel that they belong to the group, where we share... Group goals, yeah, above our own individual goals. We want to work in an environment where we co- cooperate and we really feel a kind of level of group cohesion. Yeah? Some would say we are a family or something like this. I mean, the opposite is betrayal. Everyone lives his or her own life. Yeah? Being selfish is the right way to go. <laughs> That's the opposite. And also authority. That's the fourth dimension we we want to we might want to work in, a, in an environment where people are respected right and also those who contribute much who who share a high level of responsibility that they deserve respect and and we do not want to work in an environment of subversion yeah where we also say respect is evil authority is evil right so and another thing is sanctity um that relates to purity uh, be and live clean so in a corporate context that means we want to work in a clean place a clean place I mean in our western world for instance uh, uh, we are used to being clean places yeah but that was not always the case that was always the case and and I remember uh, in the, when I read the biography of Steve Jobs he wanted to paint all the machines white he wanted to have a clean place because That addresses the value of sanctity. You do not soil your workplace. You don't do this. It's clean. And I feel well here. It's not threatening by any dirt or or, or whatever. And another dimension is liberty versus oppression. People have rights. And rights are good. People share responsibility. People have responsibility. People take responsibility responsibility people are treated like adults yeah so this is wonderful this is just wonderful these are these six dimensions yeah care fairness loyalty authority sanctity and liberty and this is an overall theory right that says look whenever we think about what's good or what's not good it's always um it always refers to one or m- many of these dimensions. So it's an overall, overall theory. And we can apply something like this to the workplace, of course. In some, in some, in some approaches, we actually did. And this approach is something that I would name um, employer attractiveness based on standards. Standards. And here is the strategic statement. In developing our attractiveness as an employer... We are guided by objective, scientifically recognized standards. We try to implement these throughout the company. Okay, so it's the idea that hmm, yeah, there are some things that that apply to human beings, to employees uh, in general. And when you do those things, and when you stick to those things, like with the six values, the six dimensions of morality. If you do all those things, then you are a good employer. and let, 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 let's let's look at this uh, a little bit closer. I also name this normative models. These normative models, they propose objective and general standards about what it means being an attractive employer. Right? I mean, a very good example is, is for instance, the uh, uh, the model of a great place to work, you know, a great place to work is an institute. And also, you can you can apply for an award there, and then you get uh, maybe yeah you get a prize and award, and you can communicate that you are a great place to work. And and there is a model behind, right? Uh, and and when you look at the dimension of this model, uh, these are credibility, respect, fairness, bright bright about primarily team and company camaraderie. When you look at these five dimensions, that must remind you about the dimensions of proposed by Jonathan Haidt. They are very, very, very general. Right? Very general. And, and as I said, those models very often apply theories about what people want at work or what they expect from their employers. These are theories. They really say, if you fulfill all those requirements, then you are an attractive employer. Well done. Good job. Full stop. <laughs> Here is the award. <laughs> right. So okay. Um well okay. Uh we, the one thing that we also have to see with those models. Well, I like the one of Great Place to Work, it's really general and that it's uh scientifically uh on, on, on stands on solid ground, I would say. Um very often, when you look at those uh, employer attractiveness models, you also must know that these models very often reflect the values of those who created them. Really. So, um, yeah, they, 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 they really can differ. Okay. So, that was, that was a more differentiated, differentiated uh, a way to look at employer attractiveness based on standards. Okay, as I just have outlined. But here is an opposite view. An opposite. And it's more subjective and individual. And here's the strategic statement saying, employer, attra- employer attractiveness is an individual subjective matter. Therefore, we can only be attractive if we create space for the needs of the individual. That's interesting, huh? Employer attractiveness is an individual thing. It's an individual thing? Well, hmm. So, to understand this, I would like to share with you some hypotheses. Yeah. It's, not that I, it's not that I say these hypotheses are true, but I just want to, to give, more, give more ideas around this strategic option. And the first hypothesis is that people differ with regards to their preferences, personalities, needs life statuses, competencies, and so on, right? People differ by various means, right? We we know this, (laughs) we know this, yeah? There is no look into differential psychology necessary to understand this. Look into a team and you find a team of five people and you see five different people because they have different personalities. Some are extroverted, some introverted. Some are more intelligent, some are less intelligent some are married and have three kids and some are singles some have competencies in that area and some have competencies in that area they might share different values because they 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 are they grew up maybe in different in different uh, social communities so people differ uh, of course they do and so do their expectations towards attractive working conditions okay okay so pe- different people have different expectations. As a consequence, what might be attractive to one employee might not be attractive to another one. I mean, let's 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 be specific here. I mean we let next episode we're gonna talk about flexible work arrangements. And some people want to be surrounded by other people all the time. And some other people they they want to work alone. <laughs> so some people want to work in the morning, some people want to work in the evening. What is good? What is bad? There is no good and bad. They are just individual differences, right? So, and, and if there are individual differences, then there is no such thing like uh, overall, overall employer attractiveness. Attractivity is subjective, <laughs> really. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, when you when you say my car, my car is attractive, yes, for you. But not for me. <laughs> My shirt. I, I, that's very attractive, right? My shirt. Uh, you can't see it, luckily. <laughs> My shirt is attractive. Yeah, that's something you say. I will not see it that way. So it's always subjective. It lies in the eye of the observer. So there is no such thing as a general attractiveness of employers. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Yeah? And um, we, we rather have to value the individual Differences, the individual preferences. And, and, and that, that refers to something I already shared with you in an earlier episode. Whenever we value individuality, then we talk about diversity. That's diversity. So here is it again. Diversity means that you value that people differ, right? And diversity matters for, for many reasons. I, I don't want to go too deep into this again, right? And And, and when we think about... Uh, valuing individual concepts of lives and careers, then what are we talking about? Valuing individual concepts of lives and careers? What is that? This is work-life balance. This is, this is the pure idea of work-life balance. You value that people want to live differently and you value that people want to have different careers. You value that people have different priorities, both in their private life and in work. You value this. You say, okay, you want to live like this? Okay, it's fine. You want to live like this? It's fine. You want to work like this? It's fine. You want to grow like this? It's fine. And when you accept this and you say, well, that's cool. That's cool. We value this. And then you translate this value into, into real consequences, into real practice. That this is this is the essential meaning of work-life balance. <laughs> yeah. So we, we can even go further now with this argument saying, okay, then diversity and work-life balance are more or less the same. It's about valuing individu- individual preferences and, and 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 differences. Yeah? Okay, work-life balance matters too. So when we come to a practical conclusion, uh In this regard, a practical conclusion would say, okay, so better have flexible work arrangements, okay? When you have flexible work arrangements, then you can address very different uh, preferences. And then there is not just one attempt of saying, okay, we have to be like this to be attractive as an employer. No. You have to Give people the room, the flexibility, the trust, so that they can work in a setting, in a situation that matches their individual preferences. So, and that, of course, leads us to flexible work arrangement. I mean, that's that's the logical consequence of all this. Okay, so that's for the moment that's for the moment and I hope I could I could share with you some some additional thoughts on on employer attractiveness it's not so easy it's not so easy it's complicated you have to do some strategic decisions here really if you want to deal with this particular topic so what are we talking about next time? guess what? flexible work arrangements (laughs) of course so I look forward to it thanks for listening see you then